So this episode is going to be about mental health. Uh, I'm thinking through this in a few different ways. Basically, I've been potting for about a year and it's been a struggle. Uh, You know, everything in life can be and it depends on each person's abilities and tolerances and whatnot. And I do struggle with a lot of basic things like just putting out an episode regularly once a week, for instance. Yesterday, I aimed to release this episode. That was a Wednesday. Today's Thursday, the 12th of November. And I do aspire to actually make these into videos. And making a video is harder than making an audio podcast. I think that should be intuitively clear, but just to spell it out, you have to set up a camera. That's already kind of difficult if you have standards for yourself. Of course, you can just use your webcam on your laptop um, with that 720p quality. But I take cameras pretty seriously and visual presentation as a photographer. So of course I complicate things and it's it's tricky. It just leads to this rabbit hole of a setup process. And then actually recording it, uh, suddenly you're kind of performing in front of a camera. Right now you could say that I'm performing in a way with my voice, but I can just sit at my desk quite casually. I don't have to worry about how I look or what I'm doing. And I just enter this more relaxed state of mind talking into this microphone. It's kind of like I prefer being on a phone call rather than being on video. And of course I appreciate video, obviously, but presenting to video is just naturally more work. And it leads me into this kind of stress and anxiety about how I want to structure my creative output. And I get into my head a lot. Basically, yesterday I did this whole episode on media narrative building and conspiracy theories. And that was going to tie into the Joe Biden election and Trump's reaction, as well as some recent Netflix films that I still want to analyze a bit closer. But it was kind of a big task, and I woke up on Wednesday in the mood to do that, but also exhausted because I slept really poorly on Tuesday night. I had insomnia quite badly, and I didn't fall asleep until sunrise. And then (laughs) a damn DHL worker rang my doorbell like really early, so I slept really short. And so I was just kind of not focusing, but I recorded to camera anyways, and that's a whole process, you know, writing onto an SD card and then trying to check that on my camera and then bringing it onto my laptop. And then it turns out that my laptop is really old. Well, comparatively old, it's from 2015 and it's slow and asking it to do all these things, you know, like to, uh, write, Uh, information, video information from the card to the hard drive, which is already complicated because I replaced the hard drive um, to have more storage space. That's a whole other thing. (laughs) Anyways, I think that you can tell just from the way I talk about this that I really get flustered and weighed down with so many little things. So even a simple task like recording a video and then importing it and editing it is hard. 
And I think so many of us just take that for granted, especially if you're not in the creative industry. Like if you ask somebody to make you a video or shoot photos, like people don't really understand what that involves. People just think, oh, my camera has that function. Anyone can do it. It shouldn't cost that much to hire somebody to do that, you know, but all these things require so many details to be thought through and thinking those things through kind of hurts me. It hurts my brain. If I'm honest, it makes me feel stupid in the sense that intelligence could be considered something like information processing. I feel kind of slow sometimes like an old computer where I just get kind of like overwhelmed and the fan speed starts revving up, you know, and things run a little slower because it's doing so many things at once. I feel like that. And incidentally, Apple just announced new MacBooks with their own N1 chip. And I'm just bringing that up because I'm very excited to upgrade. Um, But that already also presents some problems because I'm also expecting new screen tech next year. And I would love to wait for that, but I just need a new functioning machine for my livelihood quite badly. Um, So if you need a new computer, you need something. Or how did I want to say that? If you need to upgrade something, then you just need to do it. All right. All of this is related. All this kind of general administrative housekeeping that I'm going through right now is kind of all related to this topic of mental health. You know, I actually think I'm kind of a smart person in terms of IQ, but I can feel just as stupid as anyone. Um, It's kind of a state of mind. It's kind of, um, I don't know, I hate to quote Forrest Gump, but it's kind of like a stupid is as stupid does situation. And I definitely felt dumb, unable to complete this video that I tried to record yesterday. And today I've also felt tired and unenthused to just do the work. And I wonder what that's about. You know, it could be lifestyle. It could just be sleep, I hope. It could be age. I don't know, like, how... I think I'm still in the prime in terms of intelligence and information processing. But I'm not sure. And I think there's a lot of these kind of questions swirling around regarding mental health. Physical health is also a mystery to most of us, you know, like diets and how we lose weight, how much exercise has to do with that. I went for a jog today with a buddy of mine who I run in the park with, and we were talking that through. Uh, To quickly summarize that conversation, I was tired, like I said, so I didn't really want to jog for too long. And he said, Keith, come on, push yourself a bit. We need to be better shape. Uh, Which is debatable, but, you know, I won't fault him for saying that. Um, I'm a pretty thin person. I have a naturally thin body, but I can also feel fat, just like a a smart person can feel stupid sometimes. Um, my, My point to him was that most of the work in terms of jogging is the regularity of it, the commitment to... Uh, doing it as a routine to be on schedule. And I'm realizing like life is all about the habits you build and a good life consists of just daily habits that you get just right. And that's how you end up where you want to be because you've incorporated all these little details into your routine. And I try and think that way and I try to hold myself accountable, you know, from basic things like hygiene, you know, bathing regularly, brushing your teeth before going to bed, etc. to more complicated things like 
um, you know, every morning I'm going to journal or every day I'm going to make an Instagram post as a photographer, uh, this kind of stuff, you know, and we all can understand that, I think, to get into the paths that we want to be on, uh, to run our life algorithms, if you will. So I was telling my friend that just getting out of the house with my jogging gear on is a big accomplishment for my mental health right away. Of course, for my physical health, it doesn't matter too much, but getting that fresh air, especially in these quarantine winter days, I guess autumn days, that's already an accomplishment for your health to just be outside. And then to meet up with somebody, that's nice, but even if you're running solo, the first 10 minutes, I think, are the most valuable 10 minutes. And it's like drinking a beer or a Coca-Cola. Like that first sip is so good. And then it's like diminishing returns from there. You know, like that last sip of from a Coke bottle is not very good at all. It's lost its fizz. It's too much sugar. It's just the taste isn't impactful anymore. And I think it's the same with exercise and jogging. Like I was kind of done after 15 minutes. I wanted to do a, like a one lap thing. And my friend pushed me to do more. And that's fine. But, you know, then you're also balancing the health of your legs, you know, your knees. Um, I don't have the best shoes. I actually misplaced one of my jogging shoes, which is annoying. That's another point about mental health and memory loss and flightiness or just being, you know, uh, scatterbrained or something. I have no idea where this other shoe could be in my rather, you know, modest flat. It's a mystery. All that to say, like, okay, it's probably better for your health to run for 30 minutes versus 10 or 15 minutes. But that first 10 minutes, getting your heart rate up, building up a minor sweat, and tiring yourself out is the bulk of it. I think after that, yeah, it's good. I guess it's better. I guess it's burning some fat. Um, I tend to think that in terms of weight and body, diet is way more impactful than exercise. But obviously, exercise is good. I'm not going to foolishly argue that. But then I wonder about mental health and what exercise we do for that. Okay, so let's get into mental health now that I've kind of set up my <laughs> my last few days here. I've been thinking about talking through mental health for a while, and it's probably too big of a topic, if you really think about it, to tackle in one episode. So maybe I'll come back to it. But let's just cover a few basics. First of all, the field of mental health is huge. It's enormous. I mean, we can all just rifle out a few, rifle off a few, um, you know, deviations from standard health, however we might define that. Something like schizophrenia or um, borderline personality disorder or psychosis. Psychosis is probably the biggest mental health problem. Uh, not in terms of numbers as a problem in society, but like it would probably be the worst condition to have to be literally psychotic. Uh, sociopathy is not that much better, but it's easier to hide. But psychotics, psychopaths, and uh, sociopaths are probably the most dangerous people in in our world, right? Those are the people to fear. You know, I passed somebody today who seemed out of his mind on the streets of Berlin. Um, he seemed unhinged. He was talking to himself kind of in a in an aggressive, weird way. 
And when you see someone on the street like that, you worry a little bit, don't you? I mean, you just don't know what a person is capable of if they're disregarding the rules of society. We kind of have a rule in our cultures that we don't just mutter to ourselves indecipherably. And if you see someone doing that, you just don't know if they might get into your face and say something weird to you or even just like lash out with their arms and hit you. Um, You just have no idea. And that's like on the outer realms of mental health. That's like a real problem. I don't even really want to talk about that. I mean, that's just, it's, it's so evident that some people have real mental health problems and we don't, as a society, we don't even care about that for some reason. Um, as an American, I remember hearing, I haven't fact checked this, but I'm in my, uh, cultural understanding of this topic, Ronald Reagan in the eighties in his neoconservative, um, agenda called, I want to name this agenda, uh, austerity, um, with Margaret Thatcher cut back so many social services, including mental health hospitals and psychiatric wards, insane asylums, colloquially colloquially called, maybe that's a pejorative, but basically every American city and also European cities, I guess everywhere in the world, you'll see people that are so unhinged and maladapted to the world that they probably shouldn't be on the streets, right? I mean, they're a danger to themselves and to society, and they're a blight on society. They make our quality of lives worse just by existing. And I feel bad saying that. It's not nice. I don't feel good saying that. And I'm not a conservative jerk that wants to imprison them or, you know, heaven forbid, kill them or something like this. That's not my point at all. But I think we have to be honest about what we're looking at here, What what's evidence. And what I see evident is that some people are not suited for civilization. What do you do about that? Okay, so that's one topic, right? But then we have like just normal mental health problems that you and I ourselves might deal with. I mentioned insomnia. That's a mental health problem. Um, Maybe it's physical. You know, I I wish science was a little more advanced to understand these things. I think it's kind of crazy that modern 21st century um, professionals don't fully understand how the body really works and that the brain remains such a mystery. It's incredible, isn't it? And I, I mean, it shouldn't surprise us, right? It is a fascinating huge mysterious topic the human mind and it reminds me of this zen cone that i learned growing up from this cool you know zen a day calendar thing to study the mind with the mind how can one not avoid intense confusion and it's true i mean this process of just thinking about ourselves is so beguiling. I love it. As you can tell, I just love thinking about this stuff and trying to analyze life from this kind of perspective. So mental health is this kind of interesting mirror topic, you know, or the shadow in a Carl Jungian kind of sense. So yeah, 
taking insomnia as an example, when I have insomnia, when I just cannot fall asleep, of course I think about the things that society recommends to think about, like media diets, uh, smartphone addiction, um, screen addiction, or just having the blue light from a screen in your face too late at night, getting your brain going and not starting to power down you know, at a proper time. All this kind of stuff, of course, is is evident. And I do ignore that. I love being on my phone. I love reading on my phone. I do usually fall asleep reading on my phone. Um, I love that moment of getting in bed after brushing my teeth and, you know, holding my pillow and looking at my phone. It's awesome. It's like <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the day. And it's not a problem, honestly. Like, I think we all basically do that. If you don't, if you like are, if you have the willpower to leave your phone in a different room or something, I applaud you. I mean, that's cool. But I don't choose that. I'm happy to like do some reading either in a photography forum or a book, ideally, but also just, you know, going through news. I just like that stuff. And if I can be real, it helps me distract my brain from going to darker places, frankly. Like, I'll stay up longer tormenting myself if I don't put my attention on something easily digestible and nice and harmless. And I will mention this Netflix movie that I'll talk about next week in greater length, The Social Dilemma. You know, Silicon Valley and the tech giants have created this addictive feature called the infinite scroll where you can just scroll forever and never run out of interesting novel information. It's awesome. It's too awesome for our primitive brains, isn't it? And it's having effects on us. It's having mental health effects on us. Um, it's political as well. And I think that's the part I'll save for next time. But just in terms of our own mental health, like I just think that the world is affecting us in new and un misunderstood ways or just plain non-understood. That's not a word. We just don't understand <laughs> what modern media is doing to our brains. And here I want, to, I do want to touch on politics for a second, you know, in the wake of the presidential election last week and everything else. I really have been struggling with a fully understanding the world that I'm living in. And I do think I understand it better than the average person, if I can say that. I know it sounds a little conceited, but I, I take the time to study it. And I think that's already more than a lot of people. And what I see is kind of this sense of um, tribalism and people just taking in the memes and not just joke picture memes, but also just like sayings, you know, that we all throw around, you know, um, just the buzz words and buzz phrases that we grab from Facebook or from our peers. And we just kind of use those, right? So, you know, like sloganeering, you know, like count every vote right now or stop the count. Like those are things that people just catch from society and then they use them. And we all do that. I'm not above doing that necessarily, but when we do that, it's almost like we're not using our own brains. We're not processing the information ourselves. We're just grabbing, 
you know, from a buffet that's presented to us. We just, we kind of like trust the news outlets that we like and we just take everything from them and we spit it back out. We regurgitate what we hear. And if you do set your life up to consume the right kind of media, I guess that's okay, but I don't know about that anymore. I just, I have this sense that the media, all media, is somehow not trustworthy and that it's just unhealthy to feed your brain all that kind of stuff. You know, even if you, you, if you consider yourself a virtuous person, you might be reading the New York Times, you know, or the Guardian. But those things become politicized for subscription for on their subscription model they need money right and so they're going to start telling people what they want to hear rather than the news and there's no there's no objectivity all right this is kind of my political rant that i was trying to save this is what i was talking about in the video that i did yesterday that i couldn't quite format properly i'm bringing it up now in, in the context of mental health because it is maddening and it's really you know, for someone like me that wants to understand the world and pursues truth and is trying to really get a grip on reality, it is so difficult because it's a moving target, you know? And it's it's almost like I'm being gaslight gaslit. Wow, what's the what's the past tense of that? Um to be uh, so gaslighting is this phenomenon of convincing someone else that they're crazy. It's from this film called Gaslight. And it's like in a relationship, it's most often used when your partner is is making you feel crazy by <sighs> undermining your sense of reality, by saying, by lying, by saying, oh, that's not how it happened. It's, it happened like this. And they convince you somehow that you're wrong, even when you know you're right. And so you, you know, you might have all this evidence in your mind that, for instance, your partner is having an affair or whatever and yet you're convinced that you're the one that's wrong so that's being gaslit and i feel like the world is doing that to me you know it's like it's making me feel crazy and i hate this feeling i really just uh it makes my skin crawl and i'm like this a lot because the world is crazy man it's really crazy like everyone i know not to implicate you specifically, dear listener. They have, every, we all have, I, I should I should include myself. We all have our prejudices and our predilections and our judgments and our, you know, our crusades. And we kind of need those to hold ourselves in place in the world. It could be vegetarianism. It could be Marxism. It could be, um, you know, Christianity. It could be anything. And we just hold ourselves to it, right? We have an identity and it, it grounds us. I identify as, let's say, a young urban traveler or something like this or an artist and a writer. And by holding on to this kind of identity, I know where to place myself in the world. But the world is not fixed, and it's just always moving. And I, I have to identify differently every time I go somewhere. And I think to myself, why am I doing that? If I just fixate on something, maybe I'll feel more balanced. Maybe I'll feel more relaxed. Maybe I'll sleep better, right? 
I have other problems. I have a lot of anxiety. I have some obsessive compulsive tendencies, not OCD actual disorder, but I've seen a lot of psychologists and some psychiatrists and they've told me that I have these tendencies and that if I get something in my mind, I might obsess about it a bit, right? And I see myself doing that. Like if I wake up, if I know I have a project to do, I better get onto that project quickly. Otherwise, I'll get totally distracted and fixated on something else. I take Adderall and Adderall is not legal in Germany. Now I take Ritalin. I take this for ADHD, adult hyperactivity disorder. Do I have this in a technical sense? Have I been diagnosed professionally? Well, yeah. I mean, professionals have written this down and prescribed drugs for it. So in that sense, yes. But I don't know how you actually properly test for something like that. I don't know. I do know that when I take it, I focus better and I'm able to accomplish typical tasks An easy example is even something like doing push-ups, you know, like I want to be physically healthy and strong. I want to have a good body, partly out of vanity, partly out of social pressure, partly out of just feeling better in my body. I mean, it's just a good thing to do, isn't it? So I try and do 50 push-ups a day, let's say, and I try and like fit that in my routine, like before I take a shower, for instance. But like in the moment, I just don't want to kneel down onto the floor (laughs) and put my hands down and like push my body off of the ground 50 times. Like what a hassle. Like it doesn't sound fun. And I will at my core make excuses not to do that. I just don't want to do that. Like why would I want to do that? I don't really think to myself, Keith, you're going to be so much happier once you do it. You're going to feel so good next month that you are doing this today. It's very hard to think in that way. And it's very easy and comfortable to just be in the moment and do what you feel like doing. And so I'll skip it for my whole life. You know, I've never like been a a really big workout freak (laughs) I became self-conscious of the word freak, right, as I was saying that, especially in the context of this conversation. But when I take my medication, I don't overthink it. I just do it. And it's incredible. Like, as soon as the thought comes into my mind, like, oh, this is the time to do push-ups, I just drop down and do it. And it's so nice and freeing to get out of my own head and throw away all those (sighs) pesky, pestering thoughts that talk myself out of things, right? So that's why I take medication. It's like it helps my mental health. And in this context, what I mean is to just be normal, to like just think basically, don't overanalyze something as simple as doing push-ups, just do them. Just if you want to do them, you've thought through that you want to add that to your life, do it. And people tell me that I am a thinker more so than a doer. And I definitely agree with them. (laughs) But I want to do things. I want to do this podcast. I want to turn it into a YouTube channel. I want to travel more. I've talked myself out of a lot of trips this year, um, this autumn specifically. 
partly because everything is so belabored at this point, especially now with quarantine in effect again. Things are hard. Life is hard. But when you have mental issues, which we all do to some degree, it's that much harder, isn't it? You know, it's hard enough to figure out, let's say, who to vote for. Actually, that's not hard for most people. Most people just know who to vote for. But if you really think about it, if you really honestly dig deep into why you're doing something, things become hard. And thankfully, I'm not that troubled, you know? Like, I I feel like my issues personally are manageable enough. But it makes me very sympathetic to people with problems worse than mine. Schizophrenics. Um, eating disorders. Uh, suicidal tendencies. These kind of things are serious. And I know that. And I, I, I've touched those topics in my life enough to know how serious they can be. Now, again, I'm not the doctor. I don't know where these things come from. I don't know how to really deal with them. But I am alive, and I see people in life dealing with issues. And it just makes me really appreciate that everybody is going through their own personal struggle. And that gives me a lot of compassion for people. And I try and use that compassion everywhere. And it's hard (laughs) because like right now, again, like after this election, like on my Instagram, everything, every single story that I go through is the New York Times headline, Biden wins, subheadline, Kamala Harris, first black woman vice president, you know, like I probably saw that a hundred times, no joke. And I'm not judging you for posting it. I get it. It's something to celebrate. You know, we did it in quotes. Like we all like to feel like a part of something, to be a part of history, to be on the right side of something and to be tribal with each other. Like it's good to be a part of a team and I do think that it is the right side. I'm with you there. Um, I am presuming that you are a left-leaning person. I know you might not be. Um, So my point actually is that for those that aren't, I sympathize with you. It sucks to lose. And it sucks to be surrounded by messaging that tells you that you're a bad person for what you think. That... You're what's wrong with the world or the country, or even worse, that you are these specific things like a racist or a sexist or an idiot or an asshole, xenophobic, whatever, because of who you wanted to vote for. And I saw a lot of friends saying stuff in their Instagram stories like, if you vote for Trump, you are voting for, and then they had this list of, you know, like, anti-worker, xenophobic, anti-immigrant, da-da-da-da-da, like that long list. And when I saw that, I just thought, how the hell do you know what people are voting for? You don't know. Most Trump supporters are voting for 
something more like order, uh, tradition, um, respect, honor, like totally fine principles to have. <laughs> like those things are fine. You know, like we can debate the priorities, the nuances of these things, how they gel with stuff like equality and fairness. These are all moral conversations. But people, when they go to vote for Trump, are not voting because they hate, I don't know, quote, brown people. Such a stupid phrase. I hate that phrase. I hate all color-based phrases. Um, that's not what they're voting for. Some of them are voting because you annoy them, frankly. Some of them are voting against social justice warriors or just like snide, smug, liberal leftists frankly and i don't blame them it's like aggravating on someone's mental health to be told that you're not good enough as a citizen that you're like stuck in the past man or you're like you know outdated like get with the times like it's not nice it's not healthy for people to be told that stuff and it just makes me wonder why we have that messaging in our language like don't you know what it feels like to be ostracized? Aren't you against racism? Why are you against it? Because it's not nice. It's not nice to make assumptions about people based on outer superficial qualities. Well, that's what you're doing to Republicans. I guess I'm always getting political. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't. Two beers later. Actually, I haven't had a drink in a couple days. That's nice. I want one. I'll admit that. Being an alcoholic is a topic not specific to me, thankfully, I guess, but uh, I can relate to it. <laughs> Killing brain cells is very satisfying. Getting out of your head, getting your anxieties down, your social anxieties, your worries about the past or the future. It's so nice to be free of that stuff. One of my favorite films titled, the title comes from a poem dedicated to that sense of that feeling. The eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. What an idea. Anyways, um, yeah, sorry to get political as always. Uh, I guess I just am naturally a political person. I don't like that about myself. I have to learn to accept more things about myself. That's another topic in mental health, you know, like loving yourself, being kind, being nice to yourself, treating yourself as someone you're responsible for caring for the way you would care for a pet. That's chapter two, I believe, in Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. That name is a little controversial. I don't know why. No... Jordan Peterson hater has really fully explained to me why they hate him so much. I I know the reason, which is why they're which is that they're told they should hate him. It's never about his actual work. Um it's a personal problem for me because it's you know, it's something I'd like to punch through as a topic with people close to me. But I guess we can save that for another day. Um but the point that he makes in that book real fast is just that more people will pick up prescription medication for their pets 
than they will for themselves. What does that say? You know, if you're in a relationship, you will nag your partner, for lack of a better word, to do the things they want to do, to be the person they want to be. You'll slightly nudge them to, you know, go to the gym, to wake up a little earlier, to watch less TV, whatever it is, you know. There's only like 20 things that we all kind of suffer with. So whatever those are, like you'll care for the person next to you more than for yourself. Why do we do that? And so I'm really trying to like be my own friend in that sense. But it is hard because it's like, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like bothering with so many things. Is that depression? I'm surprised I've made it this far in this conversation before dropping that word. But depression is obviously like probably the, obviously, probably the mental health crisis of our era, I guess. Something like that. I mean, depression is a real thing. It's complicated. It's hard to really define. It could just be sad, right? I mean, maybe we just use those words too much interchangeably. Maybe you're just sad. You're not depressed. I did ask my last therapist, probably a year ago now, if she would diagnose me as depressed, if she thought I was. And she said, no, Keith, you're not depressed. In order to be depressed, you have to show symptoms of depression for two straight weeks, 14 days in a row. And symptoms of depression would be like staying home, avoiding friends, you know, like retreating inward, not doing the healthy things in your life that give your life meaning. And she was noting, like, I actively do avoid that. I actively meet friends and stay on projects or, you know, give myself, you know, little meaningful purpose here and there. And I I try and stay on top of that stuff. But I suppose if I was honest with myself, I don't think it would be a lie or a too too much of a stretch to say that I've dealt with depression my whole life. I think it's actually a really easy explanation <laughs> for who I am and where I am in my life. I mean, I get down on myself for being not quite where I want to be in the latter half of my 30s in terms of career or life goals. I've done a lot. I'm quite accomplished as a traveler and as a thinker, I would say, especially those two, but also as a, yeah, just in terms of wisdom, I think I'm pretty good, but I haven't accomplished typical success because I've always avoided it. I've always kind of had a an antagonistic relationship to typical anything. And I'm very hard on myself about it. It keeps me up at nights, if I'm honest. Like, if I think too hard about it, it really depresses me, <laughs> or at least makes me sad. But when I do put my my life in context of depression, it's like, hey, I'm doing pretty good for, for a depressed guy. <laughs> That's funny. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, you know, I think it's important to, like, have a sense of humor, obviously. Um, have some levity about life and to just go easy, go easy on yourself, go easy on others, you know, like let's take the pressure off, shall we? Let's just chill out a bit. 
and I have to say, like, I'm really excited for Joe Biden to have won, mainly because I can, you know, no longer deal with all my crazy friends and family. You know, there's this thing, speaking of mental health, called Trump derangement syndrome. I don't know if that's a pejorative or what, but I think it's fair enough as a descriptor for most people I know, you know, like a typical left-leaning person who is obsessed with hating Donald Trump, blaming Trump for everything, focusing on the fact that he's orange, you know, or like some physical ad hominem attack or just like attacking him on like really basic, you know, unfounded things. The racism is an example. And just being preoccupied with hate on a daily basis. Like that is a derangement. That is this like symptom that is so widespread. It's like a, it's a, it's a pandemic. Hating Trump is a pandemic and it's, we've got a vaccine for it. Finally, Joe Biden. (laughs) So that's kind of funny. Yeah. I'm really happy that Joe Biden will be president mainly so that my personal bubble will be less deranged and intense about hating their president. So that's nice. Um, Yeah, just a few other points about mental health. Paranoia. um, Selection bias. I think some of these kind of ideas that do tip into broader social things, um, political things, um, cultural things do come down to mental health and just the way that people get so mad, get so riled up about topics. It's like they haven't analyzed their own feelings or their own orientations. It's like homophobia, right? I would call homophobia a mental health concern. And to just properly define homophobia, it's the fear of homosexuality. It's not the outright hatred, but that is kind of how it's treated now. Um, It's so much less prevalent in my personal space than it used to be in the American general. Um, Obviously, now it's like celebrated by Bank of America and McDonald's. So, I mean, what could be more mainstream than gay acceptance but to fear homosexuality was this kind of uh you know very broad you know widespread condition of i don't know being insecure being challenged um feeling this like sense of dread like what if you're turned on by the touch of another man or whatever or like what if that person might be gay oh no um what will it mean like there's like some existential dread to it like it's a threat to society at large like if every man was gay then we wouldn't produce any more children or something like that but then to have it located near you or worse within yourself it's like a panic right and this is in your head this is like all in your head you know there's nothing to panic about you're attracted to whatever you're attracted to and is it healthy? I mean, does it matter in a way? I I probably should save this topic of sexuality 
for us its own podcast because it's so big of a topic on itself but like you know (laughs) i guess i will go there transsexuality or transgenderism uh transsexuality um we don't use trans the word transsexual anymore somehow it's passe maybe it's offensive i don't know you can tell me um that's when you become the other sex you know if you cut off your penis and replace it with a medically constructed vagina i think you're probably a transsexual that doesn't sound offensive to me but we use trans on its own because it sounds nice i guess uh but being transgender i mean i grew up hearing that gender was a social construct if it's a social construct it's not a real thing and i think a lot of people make that clear it's a spectrum you can be any gender you want that sounds like it's in your mind so if you are transgender that's literally a mental disorder and does the word disorder sound too loaded okay a mental issue I think also the problem we have with this topic uh, and with mental health in general is that we assume or we infer judgment when there might not be judgment. Like I'm not implying judgment. Like I said, I have a lot of compassion for all sorts of mental issues and being trans is one of them. I know all the, the, I know the deal. I know that trans people growing up have it a lot rougher and they commit suicide at alarmingly high rates. And that, of course, they deal with bullying and they deal with alienation of their own body and they deal with, you know, like growing up is hard enough, you know. Coming to terms with typical heterosexual <laughs> sexuality is already hard enough for basically everyone. So to add on to that, homosexuality is tough for sure. And then to add on to that, not that it's literally like a one plus one situation, but just to like, pile on the fraught anxieties of adolescence with not understanding or feeling at home in your own body. I mean, I don't think any of us fully do through adolescence, but yeah, to think that you're the wrong sex or gender, I'm not sure how we differentiate these at this point. That's a problem. And it's a problem that I can appreciate. It sounds bad. It sounds rough. So, of course, I want to offer sympathies and understanding, but don't tell me it's not a mental condition because it is. And I don't think I'm a transphobe or a bigot for saying that. I'm not afraid. I don't worry that it's in myself. I don't worry that it's next to me or that it'll, you know, pass off onto me. I don't hate either. I don't hate someone that's experiencing that. I mean, it's, I don't know what to say. Like if I go into a Chipotle restaurant in Seattle, as I've done, and a trans person is working there, it's fine. I don't care. I do happen to see a lot more of it in Seattle than I do even in Berlin, where it's already more prevalent than, I don't know. You get the point there. I think a lot of it is fashion. It's kind of on trend at the moment. That's also fine. I don't care. It's fine to be you know, I don't mind trends, but I don't want to be gaslit about this. I don't want to, I don't think society should be making me feel crazy because I'm calling it like it is and just describing what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a person born a certain way that is identifying in their mind. That's what identifying is. 
with something else? Why am I the one with a mental health issue there? (laughs) And if I am, that's fine. I'm happy to admit, obviously, whatever mental issues I have. I don't think we help people, nor do we help society, if we pretend things are different than what they are. That is what's making us all crazy. It's crazy. I don't want to be crazy, and I don't want everyone else around me to be crazy. It's uh, it's, it's mad. It's maddening. So this is, you know, I have enough problems <laughs> in my personal life, as I've touched on here. I don't need the whole world to turn everything upside down. And I have so much sympathy for others that are feeling alienated and displaced in this modern world because it's too much. It's too much. And I'm saying that as an extremely open-minded, open to new experience person, like I max out in those categories on tests. I've traveled the world extensively. I'm an artist. Like I'm open. Okay. How... I'm just imagining how a traditional person feels. I'm sympathizing with that. Like, come on. I'm, I want progress. I want political progress. I want all the really basic things that help most people, like healthcare, like living wages, um, all the things. But there is such thing as too fast. I don't really want to alienate everyone different than me in my pursuit for my ideal world. And the fact that we're doing that militantly against, quote, backwards, uh, what's Hillary's word for it? Deplorables. Oh, this person still wants a fucking factory job. What a deplorable person. (laughs) Uh right i don't want to rant anymore i think i've made myself clear i hope i have i hope i have expressed and given form to these ideas and i hope it's helped you too i just want us to be more appreciative of the breadth of human experience and the ways in which we all interpret reality and i think it would help everybody if we could at least agree on a fucking reality with facts I was using trans issues as an example, but it's just, it's throughout, you know, it's with the election and counting votes, just understanding the voting process would help everyone. Making it really clear if media could do their job and like be really plain as day clear in their journalism of why Pennsylvania waited three days to count their votes. Why? Just tell us why. You might not know that for some reason it's a rule that, you know, they count votes until the Friday and that they can't count, whatever it is. And we're just not all given the information we might need on any topic. Why are all these drug addicts in my subway station? I don't have that information. I have to infer it from what I see in society happening. And I'm then probably coming off as some sort of law and order advocate because their suffering appalls me. You know, I want a better life for them. I want a better subway experience for me and my neighborhood. 
that doesn't make me, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't make me anything. <laughs> it's just a normal thought that a human should have looking at heroin addicts laying on the ground as you get out of the train. <laughs> uh, the world is so messed up, isn't it? Mental health is just so fundamental and we just don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about it with each other, like, on a very personal level about our mental health issues however intense or ill-defined they might be we don't talk more broadly about the mental health of our society and the people at the bottom of that society we don't talk about how to promote better mental health we do it very abstractly you know be spiritual do yoga meditate and those are good i mean meditation is a very pragmatic activity to work on mental health, to be aware of your thoughts, to be mindful of moment-to-moment experience, to breathe. That's great. I mean, I'm happy that that's a trend now and that there are all these apps for it and stuff. That's cool. But I I want us to go further. I want us to interrogate why we think the way we do, what mental processes we're using and employing and we're advocating from each other how we debate how we fight about difficult topics with each other and the mental issues in the way of that so i'll leave it there for now to be continued maybe i'll sprinkle this topic in throughout in the upcoming episodes i plan on doing maybe i'll gather my uh What's the phrase I want to use here? I don't know. Just maybe I'll finally make videos, but at least I'm recording it now in audio and I appreciate you listening. My name is Keith Telfan. I'm on Patreon, Keith Telfan. I probably should change that to key thinking. It's so much easier to type into the keyboard, to the browser rather. Um, I appreciate your support, even as a fan or a listener or whatever, and I appreciate and welcome any comments. Um, Let's have more conversations. Until next time. Ciao.